On this episode of the Naturist Living Show, the third and final part in our series about nudity and our attitude towards the human body. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome to the Naturist Living Show and this uh, final in a series of three shows where we explore society's attitude towards the human body and towards nudity. Um, we're looking at it, of course, mostly from a Western societal point of view and more specifically a North American Anglophone point of view. And it's worth repeating that, you know, naturism isn't just about nudity. In fact, it's not really about nudity at all. It's a, it's, it's a life philosophy uh, with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Um, the basic uh, tenets of naturism are respect for self, respect for others, and respect for the environment. And it's the nudity that helps us get there. By being nude, we respect our body more. We recognize other people as human beings. And we respect them, and we feel closer to nature. So it's... If we look at the world that way, it's not surprising that when we look at the media out there, we look at television, we see how the regular world looks at the human body and at nudity, that there's a little disconnect, that uh, people in the textile world can be almost schizophrenic when it comes to their attitude towards their own body. Uh, Nudity is uh, the cause of embarrassment and of shame, or worse, of offense, and uh, it's also about power and about uh, status, and that's why people wear clothes. It's, it's about putting themselves above and separating themselves from others. And in the first show, there was, there was so much material on this, um, so many shows I wanted to look at, uh, television shows I wanted to look at and explore, that I decided early on I was doing three shows, and I certainly needed it, because even the first two were already fairly long. So in the first one, we looked at nudity in the human body through some older shows, through two Seinfeld episodes specifically, because Seinfeld is a real cultural touchstone, even though it's over 10 years old now. Seinfeld in particular looked at the neurosis that uh, society suffers from about a lot of things and made fun of them. That was really the material for a lot of the humor. And in two of the shows, our neurosis with nudity in our bodies was the topic, and that's what we looked at in the first show. We also looked at a more current show, a very current show that's running right now called Dr. 90210, which is about a plastic surgeon. It's a reality show set in Beverly Hills and about how they can help people make them better uh, through plastic surgery. (laughs) Very sad. Number two, episode number two um, in December, we looked at gymnophobia, which is a fear of nudity. And we looked at an excellent show produced by BBC's Horizon series called What's the Problem with Nudity? And we went through that in great detail. So for this third show today, we're going to go through uh, three more shows produced in the UK about nudity. You may ask why there are so many shows from the UK on nudity, and that's a good question. Um, uh, The UK, the British, are known for being very conservative when it comes to nudity and sex and everything else. 
Um, so maybe they're a little bit more obsessed about it, and that's why they're doing so many shows about it recently. It's certainly a good way for them to get ratings. And in the UK, obviously, when you watch these shows, um, they're not limited the way we are in Canada, uh, and certainly not the way that people are in the United States, as to showing uh, the human body, to showing nudity. Uh, full nudity seems to be perfectly acceptable. In Canada, of course, we're much more limited. Although, when I've worked with a lot of producers and uh, reporters on this topic, it seems that it may not be a rule or a regulation that the CRTC, the Canadian Radio and Television Commission, imposes on stations and networks. It may be more of a self-censorship. They look at it more as to what is going to cause them trouble, what is going to bring... Uh, the most complaints, and they try to avoid that, and therefore they self-censor, and maybe don't show as much as they might be allowed to show. But in the UK, apparently anything goes. So the first show is uh, nearly two years ago, and it's called Don Gets Naked. Uh, Don Porter has a series of uh, shows that she's done on a variety of topics where she experiences a whole range of life experiences. And in this one, it's called Dawn Gets Naked, and it ran in February of 2008. I recently did something I thought I'd never do. I took off all my clothes in public. I am literally terrified. I'm not even funny, but funny. I hope to persuade hundreds of other women to do the same. Don't be shy. The reason for getting naked had nothing to do with sex. Suddenly my confidence has just dropped. It had more to do with how we look. I'm going to basically start off as I am now and then see what they can do to me to make me really beautiful. And how our idea of perfection has been perverted to fit the demands of the beauty industry. We're aspiring to be something that doesn't exist. The only question was... Would Britain join me in my quest, or would I be left out in the cold? You know, asking people to come and get naked today is a big ask. And I just don't know if anyone's going to turn up. Now, of all the shows that I'm going to talk about today, this is my favourite, because it truly is a show that might as well be about naturism. She doesn't say that it's about naturism. She talks about nudity. But she's not looking at nudity for its own sake. She's looking at nudity in terms of what's our problem, and specifically what is the issue with women, that they are so uncomfortable with their own body. How many of us can really say we feel confident about our bodies? The problem is, while we are forever comparing ourselves to images of perfection, we never get to see what real women look like without their clothes on. And she looks at the social pressures to look right. She looks at makeup, fashion, diets, cosmetic surgery, and everything that's involved in putting pressure on women to look a certain way which is not achievable for most people and unrealistic for most people. The thing is, we've all bought into this picture of perfection, and it's easy to see why. But aren't we somehow missing the bigger picture? I mean... Why would we want to aspire to be something that doesn't even exist? It does wind me up. It makes me feel just a bit bitter. I think it's a real betrayal of women on other women. Girls like me, normal-looking girls, are made to feel crap about themselves. 
for someone's financial gain. And I want to do something about it. So this is a true naturist message. Because the show is about self-acceptance and the nudity is actually only a tool, which is exactly what we talked about at the beginning of the show. That's what naturism is about. This show, despite the title, is actually not about nudity. That's not what they talked about. They talked about getting naked, but they talk about why they can't do it. She starts actually by uh, going into a locker room and interviewing other women in the locker room while she's nude. And it's, it's fascinating to hear how uncomfortable other women are to talk to her and how having simple social interactions while nude can be incredibly difficult for people. She also looks at a naturist beach, and she does talk about naturism a bit, but she can't do it. That's a little too far for her, although she says she's kind of envious. These people here in a real minority, with the way that they get naked, I mean, it's almost as if they're totally void of inhibition, and it's almost like they dealt with that ages ago, and now they're just out there. I can't come here today and just forget... Um, or change the way that I feel. So I could see in the future that maybe I could be like that, but at the moment I'm not there yet. The first area where she really explores it is a movement which obviously hasn't come this way, and that's burlesque. Uh, In burlesque, women dance and strip, um, not fully nude, usually with pasties on their nipples. And it's apparently, in the UK, very popular even with women, or actually more with women, uh, there seems to be more women going to watch other women do burlesque than there are men. It's a lot more fun, and it certainly isn't a seedy side as you get with strippers. Um, but of course, that's not quite the right message, in my opinion, in terms of getting acceptance of your body, uh, because burlesque is still about performance. It's still about the body being the center of attention and the... Uh, uh, the objectification of the body. Uh, she also goes ahead and poses an, as an art model. Um, and, and that's an interesting one because this is the first time that she actually gets fully nude and in a position where everybody's basically scrutinizing her body as they're painting, drawing it. And she has a very hard time. And you really see the phobia there. You really see the discomfort. This is something she's decided she was going to do. She's been committed to it because of the show she's putting together, and yet when it comes time to it, she has a very difficult time. She also goes on to talk about uh, and look at uh, the plastic surgery business and the amount of money spent there and how uh, all kinds of effort and money and trouble and, and, and risks are taken by women in particular to make themselves look just right. And just right is never right, of course. Well, yes, there's no such thing as being naturally beautiful anymore, is there? It's, it's the fake tan, it's the fake highlights. Well, not for you, but for a lot of us. She also looks at advertising and fashion and how fake it is. And here she probably takes inspiration from the Dove commercial. You may have seen it where the uh, it's a, it's, it went viral on the Internet. It's a video that shows how a picture of a very beautiful woman is retouched to such an extent that you can hardly recognize her, and obviously that she's not a real person. And the same thing, Dawn is a very attractive young woman. And yet, uh, after they've done all the makeup and hair and retouching of the photos afterwards, she's hardly recognizable, but she actually thinks she looks better, even though she doesn't look real, and she's not real. And after six hours of hair, makeup, 
and what is perhaps best described as digital cosmetic surgery. There I was. Perfect. So finally, she organizes a flash mob. And a flash mob is an attempt to have... Uh, uh, flash mobs apparently are happening a fair bit in the UK. I haven't heard about it as much in North America. But basically, they get together as a group to do something. Not usually nudity, but in this case, it'll be about being nude. And it's about regaining control for their bodies. And so she looks for volunteers to go with her. She goes on uh, street corners, hands out flyers. And she actually goes on a, some radio shows, including one where she takes her clothes off in the studio, which uh, is a lot further than she was in the beginning that she can even do that uh, because she admits herself that she was very, very body conscious in the beginning and probably is even by the end because it's hard to get over that very, very quickly. This entire documentary is about me getting to the point where I can get myself naked. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do and I don't want to patronise it. It's, you know, getting your boobs and your bits out is actually quite, quite hard. Every time I've done it so far on this documentary, afterwards I've just been euphoric. It's been brilliant. But it, yeah. building up to that moment is so hard. And I think on the day that we do the flash mob, that's what we want. We want, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Come on, girls, let's just do it. And afterwards, we'll probably just go to the pub naked. But what they do is they do the flash mob on the top level of a double-decker London bus, an, an open-top double-decker. And a whole bunch of uh, women uh, join her, driving around London, protesting, essentially, being a flash mob. They stop in front of Vogue... Uh, the, the office of Vogue magazine, which, of course, is a magazine that's dedicated to all those ideals that are unreachable by women, the makeup, the fashion, uh, the looks that are impossible to gain. So in the end, this is uh, the most naturist of shows that we're going to talk about today because she is not focusing, as you can see, on nudity for nudity's sake. She's really focusing on the issues, the problems, the the, the emotional and psychological distress that nudity in our own body are causing us because we've developed these fear, this, this, this gymnophobia about our own bodies and the bodies of others. I knew that the beauty industry was probably never going to change. But by getting naked, I'd at least learn to love my body. After all... It's the only one I've got. And no matter what they say, nobody's perfect. The second show ran more recently. It's called Naked Office. It uh, ran in July of 2009 on Virgin. And it's actually not a show about nudity, even though that's the title. It's a show that focuses on a small ad agency called One Best Way. That's having trouble. Uh, they've had to downsize in a big way. And uh, they're having trouble working as a cohesive team. And so a consultant named David Taylor is brought in. And he decides that the best way to get them to build a team and, and build uh, teamwork and openness and trust amongst the various members of the, of the staff that work at One Best Way is to have Naked Friday. We're going to break down barriers. Um, you're going to build trust with each other at a very, very deep level. You're going to build a confidence in yourselves, in each other, that is higher than perhaps you've ever imagined possible. This will be an experience that you'll never forget. I'm going to invite you on Friday to come into work completely naked. 
course, just that announcement causes a great deal of distress to everybody. Being told you might have to take your clothes off to, uh, to bond with your work colleagues. But... I don't think I fancy taking my clothes off. You don't fancy it? I don't know, it's, it's getting a bit scary. <laughs> and again, it's a very interesting uh, study of how people react to just the thought of being nude. Something as simple as taking your clothes off and being what you are is can be incredibly scary for people. So he doesn't do he announces that at the beginning of the week and throughout the week he has a few exercises to get them used to it. Um he brings in a naked temp, uh a temporary person to take the receptionist's job for a while and do various odd work around the office and and there it's interesting to see just how difficult it is for them to deal with somebody else who's nude. They're fully dressed, of course, but they still have to deal with the fact there's a fully nude man walking around doing various office chores. A later exercise, they photocopy their body parts in private, but then their body parts are photocopied and pinned up, and they discuss them, and other people get to see them. Fascinating day. Photocopy of body part. Light-hearted. Encourages sort of truth in the room. And it's one step closer to being naked in front of each other. It's one step closer to saying, here I am, this is who I am, I'm authentic, and I don't mind being authentic in front of all of you. Finally, they bring in a life model, um, as in an art class life model, and everyone has to sit around her while she's fully nude, of course, and chat with her while they're drawing. And that is going a certain way towards getting them used to the idea of having nudity around the office. Not just themselves being nude, but just the idea of nudity around the office. And and this isn't a show about nudity here. I mean, there's obviously a lot of um, interesting observations and interesting uh, situations involving nudity. And from a nature standpoint, the people's attitudes towards and discomforts towards the human body, you really see, again, the fear, the gymnophobia in people's reactions. Uh, but most of the show is actually we're also working with the people on openness and communication and working together as a team and talking and not bearing stuff. But what's interesting is that nudity here is used as a therapy. And we've talked about before that naturism is a therapy. It's a way for people to get used to each other, to deal with each other on an equal basis, to respect each other and not objectify each other, to uh, accept our own body and in that of others, and, and to feel closer to our natural state, our natural environment. And here the therapy does a similar thing. The nudity is a therapy to get people to be more trusting towards each other, to be more open in their communication. And again, that's a very interesting uh, parallel to what you often hear in naturism. In naturism, people are often talking about how when they're in a naturist club or beach or whatever naturist environment or situation they're in, that people are more open, they're more equal, that the conversations are more on a personal level, uh, that people are somehow more comfortable in all the different social layers and levels and and restrictions seem to be shed with their clothes. And the same thing happens here, to a certain extent. Because after all, it's not a nature show. They're not trying to get used to being nude. And they really never do. Most of them do take their clothes off. Uh, one strips down to her underwear. 
but uh, the rest of them strip basically nude, uh, including one woman. I didn't think I'd go to this extent, and I'm really happy with what I've done today. I was really, really nervous during the week, and I've come to the point now where I think I've done the right thing for myself. But as soon as they're giving the chance, they put their clothes back on. They, they're not really comfortable. And to be f- fair, I mean, you couldn't imagine a more awkward situation to try uh, social nudity in than in an office. These people are co-workers, and they're in an office, which is, in most people's minds, one of the more formal um, situations you can be in. Um, you know, it's one thing to convince somebody to be nude swimming in a pool or at a beach or on the sand uh, on a hot, sunny day. It's quite another to convince them to be nude around the uh, glass furniture and steel desks and uh, carpeting and neon lights of an office with their co-workers. So it, it's, it's a little far. It's a little far-fetched. This did remind me, though, of an ad that uh, ran in 1998 by the advertising agency, again, a UK advertising agency, called Grey Direct. And uh, a Grey Advertising um, decided that they wanted to do a campaign where they positioned themselves as, uh, well, different, obviously. They wanted to, you know, have an ad that got people's attention. But the message they were trying to say is that the way they work is that they are open and they're straightforward and honest in their relationship with their clients and in the way that they work. And so nothing to hide was the theme. So the whole uh, agency um, decided, or many of the people in the agency, decided to participate. That ad, uh, the result of this advertising campaign from Grey Advertising in the UK, is actually mounted and on the walls in the uh, clubhouse at Bear Oaks Family Nature's Park, because I really, really like that ad. I actually got in touch with uh, uh, one of the people in the ad at the time, and we had a communication by email. So I talked to Amy Silverstone, and uh, she gave me the background on this. And I was, I was surprised that the entire team, or almost the entire team, participated in it. Um, and they are fully nude, even though in the ad, of course, all the bits are covered. I'll, I'll actually read you from the email. Everyone who was available on the afternoon of the photo shoot was there. And no, it was not terribly embarrassing. We came out from the changing rooms dressed in towels took our places, and dropped the towels. What you see is what was bare. We stood facing Roger Eaton, the photographer, concentrating on doing what we were told and making sure anything we did not want seen in the photo was covered up. There was no standing around feeling embarrassed or on view. And they had great results, of course. They had uh, more clients as a result, more business. They got tons of media attention, which is how I heard about it all the way here in Canada. The last show is actually the most recent. Um, It's called Naked Britain, and it ran in November of 2009. And it's the one that is my least favorite. And it actually is the one that I had the most... Uh, anticipation that I was most interested and kind of uh, optimistic about because the way it was billed is they were going to look at nudity in the UK and try to understand what 
the issue was, why there was so much nudity, why people were so confused about nudity. And I thought this had the potential for being a great and very interesting documentary. Um, and if it was done in the same way as to what's the big deal about being naked that we talked about in, ep- in uh, the second in this series of three shows, it would have been, but it was done in a much more sensationalistic way and not that serious. They were lighthearted, which is fine. It's it's good to have a good time, but as a result, it's not a very fair and balanced um, exploration, and it's not very scientific, and it has a lot of errors. And, and as we go through it, I think you'll understand what I mean. These days, we're surrounded by nudity and naked imagery. It's everywhere. In the home, on the high street, in your newspaper, and on the net. Hi! You're never more than a click away from getting an eyeful. I'm Jack Lewis, and I want to find out why us Brits find nudity so naughty. And meet the people who use their naked bodies to titillate, entertain, and shock. But do all these tits and bums really shock us? Um, The host of the show, his name is Jack Lewis. And uh, he is entertaining, and he obviously is deleting the show. Um... He may have been influenced by Don Gets Naked, the series from uh, almost two years before him, because he redoes a lot of the same things, although he never gives her credit for it. The uh, In part one, it's a three-part show as well, like our show here on The Naturist Living Show. He did a three-part show as well, each half an hour. And in part one, he focuses very much on the sexual, maybe purient aspect of nudity. Uh, they look at nudity as titillation, um, naked entertainment. It is interesting when you think about nudity in terms of the British um, views on nudity. Morning. We sort of want to look at it and we sort of want to get close to it, but it's funny at the same time and it's embarrassing and we want to step away. They do burlesque once again and do a comparison to strip clubs. Um, Obviously, they, they have no bias or thought that nudity is non-sexual. Um, that's really a, a naturist concept. Not that humans aren't sexual. We are, of course. But the nudity itself doesn't have to be sexual. But in this one, they're very much interested in the sexuality of nudity. They also look at webcam girls. So as a member, if I asked you to take that towel off and hop into the bath, would you do it? Whatever you say goes, within reason. <laughs> And this is kind of odd, um, because people are paid, women mostly, are paid to be take their clothes off and touch themselves on webcams, live. Um, and you find it very odd, isn't it, that we, we all talk in our society in general that we have to hide, and yet we want to see people nude. I mean, how conflicted is that, that people pay money to see the nudity? that we're not supposed to see. And that people, to a certain extent, sometimes enjoy being nude, and even though they're not supposed to do it. So it's okay for nudity. A lot of people have commented, noticed that before. Nudity is okay as long as you're being paid for it. Um, but not if you're just casually strolling down the street. Then that's offensive and illegal. That's actually quite an interesting dynamic, where you've got a man giving a woman instructions over the internet while watching her on a webcam, doing as she's told. Of course. (laughs) He has, to a great extent, objectified her and turned her into something of a plaything, a bit of a puppet. They look at men as well. There's a service called Butlers in the Buff, 
that they um, look at. Um, then it gets more interesting because they talk about protest. They talk how nudity has always been used, going back forever, as a tool for protesting. The naked protest is a symbol, and that symbol is linked to female sexual power. It is a killing machine! You are killing each other! Historically, women have utilized nudity to vocalize the importance of an issue. Particularly interesting is PETA. You would have heard, as most people have, that they've been doing a campaign now for may have been a decade that would rather be nude than wear fur. And many celebrities have done um, shoots where they are nude. You can't really see much uh, for PETA protesting against fur. We first started using nudity in the early 90s with our Rather Go Naked Than Wear Fur campaign. It made headlines right the way across the world, and our naked campaigns still do that today. Well, I'd definitely rather be naked than wear fur. What bothers me, though, is this thought that being nude means it's you're both aggressive and vulnerable. Nudity is aggressive in one way, and especially female uh, nudity if it is done in the form of a protest, because that is women and their most vulnerable. You know why? And of course, they don't dis- even think about this in a documentary. The quote is there, but they don't um, actually try to figure out what that means or what it, why they say that. Because why would you be any more vulnerable nude than dressed? It, you are because of this fear, this discomfort that. Uh, we have in our society, but that's not normal if you think about it. The clothing doesn't afford you much protection except from maybe the elements when it's really cold or, you know, certain jobs. But in general, we don't wear clothes to keep us warm or to protect us from the elements or from a... We wear it for fashion. We wear it to make a statement. So this idea that we are more vulnerable and weaker really speaks to our discomfort with the human body. Then we move on to the naked bike ride, which is, in itself, another form of protest, but one that's getting much more in tune with naturism. Every summer, for the past five years, thousands of nude cyclists have demonstrated against the car culture. The ideals of the naked bike ride are really naturist ideal. They may not think of themselves as naturist, but uh, the being closer to nature in some ways is part of the message there. Sure, I'm sure it's part of, partly to get more attention, but a lot of the participants seem to understand that this is about um, the freedom and, and the power of the human body and the human spirit. By being natural, we're saying that we should be more natural in our entire way we live. Having said that, having done like four naked bike rides, I'm definitely more comfortable about nudity, both in other people and in myself. I don't think anyone should have any shame about their body. And then lastly, they talk about uh, streakers and interview Mark Roberts. And of course, Mark Roberts is probably the most famous streaker ever. Um, And here again, it's all about people who want to be nude. (laughs) It's funny, we have this desire to see nudity and we pay for it, and we have this desire sometimes to be nude And it's just, it's bad. And so we have to do it in these strange ways, unless we discover naturism. People do it in these strange, sneaky way, um, as Mark Roberts does. And he's certainly not the only streaker, just probably the most prolific and the most famous. I've met many streakers over the the years, and not one of them has regretted it. And it's just a huge sense of freedom 
you know, you're running naked for a minute, two minutes, whatever, do you know what I mean? But in that time, is it at the moment that might open your mind and change your attitude, you know, in certain ways? It's fantastic. Everyone should do it. Everybody, at least once. The show ends with a flash mob. You've probably heard of a flash mob. It's where a load of people come from all over town to a public location to do something ridiculous. I'm about to go to a slightly different one called a flesh mob. And this is part of what I was saying. Not an original idea. A flash mob being a flesh mob is organized by Jack Lewis, and that's exactly what was done um, in uh, the Dawn Gets Naked that we talked about at the top of the show. Part two of Naked Britain is all about art. And, of course, there's a lot of nudity in art, and there again there's a big conflict. Naked bodies have been a feature of art for thousands of years, be it in paintings, sculptures, photographs, or on stage. But the nude in art still has the capacity to shock, just about. When um, nudity is shown in art, it's acceptable. When it's not, then it can be a problem, it can be illegal. When it's live, it's often illegal, which is funny. Because I've certainly seen, uh, you know, there's certain websites and places like that uh, where I've discovered that um, if I post a picture that has nudity in it, I might be blocked or banned. But if I post a drawing of the same nudity, then that's okay. So the live nudity, the more real the human body is, the more somehow threatening and offensive it is. And in art, of course, because it's art, it's okay. But there's a whole discussion about why it's okay sometimes and not in other situations. What makes it art? You can give pornography respectability by putting it in an art gallery. The building will do it. You don't have to say any more. So they talk about porn versus art, and that sometimes there's not much difference. Well, part of the problem, I think, is some, we've confused porn and obscene material. Pornography is, uh, according to Oxford... Printed or visual material intended to stimulate sexual excitement. And I think in general, that's not a problem. In uh, even going back, you know, a hundred years in our society, within limits, there was, there's always been printed or visual material intended to stimulate sexual excitement. It doesn't mean it's just nudity, but it could be nudity. It could be beautiful art sometimes, depending on where it is. But obscene material is what's actually illegal in most places. And that's material, again, according to Oxford, material that offends accepted standards of decency, offensive or disgusting. But that in itself is a moving target and extremely subjective. Obviously, in a nature's environment, nudity is not offensive ever. But it can be in our society in general our Western Anglophone society. But obviously in the UK, it must be less offensive than in Canada, because in the UK, they can show nipples and penises at full nudity at any time. But in Canada, bums are not offensive. Somehow, those are okay. But male genitals can be very scary. I'm not sure why. Other than many people have suggested it's because we're not used to it, but you certainly don't see nearly as much male nudity as you show female nudity. Have a full frontal male nude and you're in real trouble. Somehow or other, the penis and a pair of balls terrifies people. It's interesting, though, that in the UK, they can't show erections on television. 
Speaking of which, a photo featuring an erect penis by very cool photographer Terry Richardson that we aren't legally allowed to broadcast. As they're going through the various types of art that exist, all of them actual artwork, and you know it's always an interesting discussion to determine what is art, but these are all well-known, famous artwork. And the, uh, they show the 1866... Um, L'Origine du Monde by Gustave Courbet. So 1866, 19th century art called The Origin of the World. And it's basically looking at uh, between a woman's legs. And that's all you really see. And that is a very famous painting worth a lot of money. And they're able to show it on television. It'd be interesting to see if they could show it on Canadian television. You couldn't show that same photo because it would definitely be determined to be porn and obscene by our standards. But why should it be? Why is that part of the body more offensive than a still life or a focus on an elbow? Or, uh, you know, there's been a lot of parts of bodies that have been painted. Why is that part more offensive? Breasts are generally not offensive in terms of art. Why would that one be offensive? But a lot of people consider it to be pornographic which in itself shouldn't be a problem, but I think what they mean is obscene. They also talk about nudity, which is used in selling and marketing. Um, They look at fashion, uh, pop music, and and always very much with a sexual angle. And that is a commercial art, if you will, so it certainly works there. Then they go on with uh, Spencer Tunick. And Spencer Tunick, of course, is uh, a very well-known in nature's circle, but all over the world now for painting landscapes with uh, nude bodies. And I think it is very artistic, although many in this show don't seem to think it's art. I'm not sure why. They also look at the uh, project um, by Anthony Gormley in the UK uh, on the fourth plinth. This summer, thousands of people have taken part in a massive art stunt, Anthony Gormley's fourth plinth in Trafalgar Square. Over 100 days, 2,400 ordinary people each had the chance to become living art. Everything was on offer, from poetry to politics, pandas to placards. But one theme in particular kept appearing, being naked. Uh, if, if you get uh, Going Natural magazine, the uh, winter 2009 issue has uh, a good uh, overview it is an interesting uh, art experiment. It's interesting how much nudity was part of what they did and how it wasn't an issue and how accepted it was. They even interviewed in a TV show uh, the woman, uh, Kiran Mahe, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but I apologize if I mispronounced it, who did a performance of Lady Godiva on the plant on September 30th. It's an interesting discussion, again, as to what is art and what is acceptable, and why it's acceptable in certain circumstances, and why it isn't. But again, this show doesn't get into too much details of the psychology, doesn't bring too many experts, does not uh, really analyze it other than make these observations that it's happening. So in a way, it raises more questions than it answers. Part two finishes with uh, a life-drawing class uh, where a celebrity... Um, is painted, and then uh, the host himself, um, Jack Lewis, is painted as well for uh, uh, nude. 
And this is the first time he actually gets nude because, uh, as we're discovering, Jack Lewis is actually quite prudish. And despite the fact he's uh, analyzing all this, he has quite a bent towards the sexuality of nudity and uh, the beauty of nudity only, not the truth of nudity. Far too much time is spent on the painting uh, as far as this particular episode is concerned because really, other than watching people being painted and uh, the arrogance of the celebrity who tells the painter how to paint him to make him look right, um, there's really no insight on that part either. The most interesting is part three. Part three is what is really the nature segment. Apparently there are 1.2 million people in Britain who love the feeling of being nude. Most people don't know that they know somebody who is a naturist, when in actual fact, that nice young doctor and his family who live next door are spending every weekend without their clothes on. Um, this is where we look at nudity not as art, not as sexual, per se. And this is where... Um, a lot of interesting things are shown. This is where you see the sensationalist side of this show. There's a lot of exaggeration. In the States, nudists don't hide in the closet or behind electric gates. They even have their own TV channel, clothesfree.com. Well, thank you very much for joining um, Close Free TV in the USA, of course, is not a major channel, although it makes it sound like it is. And the USA is not nearly as open as they make it sound. I guess maybe this is a situation where the grass is always greener somewhere else. On the continent, people seem to strip off without a care in the world. There are even whole towns devoted to nudism. In France, the naturist town of Cap Dag houses over 40,000 residents and tourists who are attracted by the idea of shopping, eating, even going to the bank, completely starkers. Similarly, France, as much as they give the impression that on the continent everybody runs around naked everywhere. France doesn't have nude shopping everywhere. You just get that in a few places like Cap Dag. But the way, as you can hear, that they position this makes it sound like the United States and France are far more open about nudity than the UK is, which is not true everywhere. In some circumstances it may be, but certainly in the United States and Canada is not more open towards nudity um, than the UK. Definitely not on television, and not nearly as open even about beaches. Now, it's true that the UK has obviously confused attitudes towards nudity. I mean, we think nothing of stripping off on holiday, and Lily Allen and Russell Brand don't mind getting papped in the nude. Jade Jagger says it's her most natural state. As they say, they, they are a little uptight about nudity, but then they are the first to take the clothes off when they go to beaches. And you do see a lot of Brits in Europe. I guess they don't want to take their clothes off at home as much as they do abroad and on vacation. But that might have something to do with the weather as well. The show also talks about the fights over naturist beaches. This is Fraysthorpe Beach in Yorkshire. 18 months ago, the council put up signs banning nudity on the beach. And that's actually an interesting discussion. They don't make, again, many conclusions. They just interview a bunch of people and make a bunch of observations. But they don't analyze much. Do you realize that you attract perverts who are approaching women and, and asking for sex on this beach? And they hide behind the fact that you say it's a naturist beach. You're a pest. You're a nuisance. You're causing problems. But this fight 
this argument about one, this beach that is being uh, closed shows you, again, the big assumptions that people make about what naturism is about. The big fallacies that exist and are being repeated. Now, just in the UK, I've certainly heard the same arguments in the United States and in Canada. People don't like to see the naturists down there, and they certainly don't like the other sort of behaviour, sexual behaviour, that unfortunately it does attract. Council had to admit that they had only had one complaint within the two years before they put the signs up. Nevertheless, the signs went up, and the new sunbathers were banned. And then you hear, of course, the people, which I believe is the majority of the reactions, who can't do it because they suffer with such intense gymnophobia, fear of their own body, fear of other people's nudity, but wish they could. We've heard that so many times. We've heard it from Don, and uh, we've heard it from the, in the naked office that people wish they could be that comfortable, and we hear it here again. I don't feel comfortable naked. I've just come back from holiday in Rhodes, and I kind of came across um, the nudist part of the beach at the far end, and I didn't feel comfortable at all, and I don't know where to look. I don't know what to do with myself when I come across people naked, but I look at them, and I think, I wish I could be that comfortable, and I wish I could do that. What was it about you and them that you couldn't make that cross the divide? It was just the way that they were so unaware of their bodies, just not thinking at all about, do I look okay? I wish I could have that carelessness, that, that force. Come to, come to Nude Pride and try it out. Yeah, and also, oh. Sam, listen, you look fabulous on the radio. So Jack Lewis does go to a nature's club. He goes to what is apparently one of Britain's oldest club, the Five Acres Country Club. And here, this is where, unfortunately, so many naturists don't understand what naturism is about. Is there some element of being closed free, a sort of social leveller? I think that's getting a bit deep. It's just nice to be naked in the sun. Is it being naked or seeing other people being naked that's the most enjoyable thing, Charlie? Uh, both are equally enjoyable. Can you imagine anything better than sitting drinking cold beer in the sunshine surrounded by lovely naked ladies? What's better than that? I don't know. You know, they're they're in it for the wrong reasons, or they just don't understand the the bigger picture, the philosophy behind naturism. That's why it's so important to have a club which stands for something that has beliefs behind it. It's no wonder that Jack Lewis um, reacts the way he does to naturism in its formal manner. But he also has, uh, he may have picked only a section of an interview that was the most consistent with what he wanted to say, um, or the most shocking. I, we're not, I'm not sure, because I, it wasn't there when he did the, all the interviews. But certainly this part that's being used doesn't make naturism look very good. But with all that, of course, he's also not happy with what he sees there. Given that this is all about communing with nature, I expect to see everyone outside playing a bit of nude volleyball. For some reason, naturists always love a game of volleyball. Afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. But this is Britain, and sadly, the reality is a bit more grey and wrinkled. I've got my free view. You know, I don't know what this obsession people have with wanting to see lots of young people. You know... 
in Canada, life expectancy is about 80 years, according to Stats Canada. So these young people, which are probably people under 30, shall we say, that everybody's always saying there are not enough of in clubs, well, they represent, what, a quarter of the population, so therefore, or less? So therefore, you wouldn't expect to see a majority of people in a nature's club to be in their 20s. Besides the fact that people in their 20s often are very busy with careers, very busy socially, and it's not a time of, of their life where they're most comfortable with their bodies anyway. But even if we don't worry about that, they're not the majority of the population. We are older than in our 20s for most of our life because we do live to be in our 80s in, as, in general. Uh, but clearly, Jack Lewis is looking for good-looking people. He has a fantasy. He has the naturist fantasy of what, of uh, of young nubile people running around prancing, what you often see in the movies from the '60s or the videos or the uh, magazines, and that's not real. We have young people at Bear Oaks, of course. We we. Young people find Bear Oaks very interesting as a park, and many of them enjoy it, and they work at Bear Oaks as well because they like it. But they don't represent the majority. How could they? It's not a young people's club. It's a club for everyone. Naturism is for everyone, and it's not surprising that it would represent a a cross-section of society. It might even skew towards older because when you're older, you have more money and more leisure time, so it's easier to do it. It's not that naturism is getting older. But Jack Lewis keeps on looking, and through Skinbook, which is a uh, an online website like Facebook but for naturists, he goes to wild swimming. Young people coming together in secluded locations, frolicking like wild imps, totally nude for the thrill of it. This is more like it, and not a fat and ugly person in sight. And he seems to think it's a lot better because these people are a lot younger. There's only six or eight of them in this uh, segment. So they certainly don't represent a large group. But they are young and in good shape. And that's what he's looking for. Still doesn't get comfortable with naturism and the idea of nudity, though, despite uh, all these beautiful people around. Maybe they make him feel a little less comfortable because he's not really embracing the ideals of naturism and acceptance of the body, others as well as his own. He also goes to uh, Abbey House Gardens, again, something that was visited by uh, Don Porter in her show two years earlier. He finally hosts a nude pride event. I've organized for a boat full of stark naked people to go down the Thames in central London in plain view of Parliament and the public. It's daring and certainly never been done before. Now, this one is not held on a bus in London, but it's held on an open-top boat in London. He invites a whole bunch of people to join him for his nude pride event. And he takes the boat right by Parliament buildings in London. So, again, a very similar idea to what Don Porter did. The only difference is he doesn't see the importance of naturism, of nudity, of acceptance of the body the way Don does. And he doesn't have her nerve or courage because he never takes his clothes off. It's a matter of personal choice. I choose to be a prude, whereas these guys are extremely proud news. We are not what she 
Like me, most Brits are more prude than nude. But thanks to nude pride, maybe more of us will dare to bear all the next time we're on a beach. He recognizes admits it. But how can you do a whole show about nudity and not try it? How can you judge other people? How can you report and not participate? Because he does judge throughout the shows, and he does make comments. So the final message here is, is how it was, the show was edited. He never really discusses the philosophy, and, and the focus on nudity is nudity for its own sake, not on why or how or the problems or the issues. It's a bunch of observations. So this show is, is definitely not my favorite, but it does bring a lot of issues. It's worth watching if you can get your hands on a copy. And it certainly, like all the other shows we've discussed, does really reflect all of the problems that our society has with the human body, with nudity. Problems that, if we think about rationally, make absolutely no sense at all, but are so deeply ingrained in the way we are, in the way society is, that they seem absolutely normal and logical, and trying to get away from them takes an incredible amount of power, of, of emotional turmoil, of, of, of willingness, uh, willpower to get there. And that's why naturism is important. Naturism is the therapy to cure this ill that society has. Because I really do believe that this would be a much better world if we were all comfortable with our own bodies, if we stopped objectifying the body of others, and if we got a little bit more comfortable with ourselves as part of nature, recognizing that we are part of the world, not that we live on the world, but we are part of nature, we are part of the world, we are part of the ecosystem, and we can't keep using it and fighting it. We must work with it. So that's it for this last and final episode, uh, not of the Naturist Living Show, but of this series on nudity and our attitude towards the human body. We'll be back next month with another show on another topic of interest to naturists. Thank you for listening. And if you have any comments, your thoughts are always appreciated. Please send an email to naturistliving at bareoaks, B-A-R-E-O-A-K-S dot C-A. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next month with another episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park, traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca. Thank you.